you very much. Guess what I'm going to speak on? Prayer, yeah. The series is not finished yet. It's not over till the fat God sings. Yeah, I know. He's a... Uh, so we're still on this. Okay, and for those that um, haven't been in Horizon for the start of the series, you can catch all of those up on the podcast. Go onto the website. But we've been talking about, we started off by saying it, prayer is a conversation, taking some of the boring stuff out of it, taking some of the, the frightening stuff, the religious stuff out of it. We said it was a conversation and you had to talk to God. Um, we covered things like why does God want to talk to us? Not always to tell us off. In fact, very rarely to tell us off. He's got loads of things he wants to say to us. And then we looked at the word come and the invitation of God saying to us, come into my presence, come to me, come talk to me, and how we can approach um, God. He tells us to come with confidence. He tells us to come regularly, you know, loads of things like that. And then the last time I took two sermons to cover the 12... 12 of, not the 12, because they're probably more, but 12 principles. Um, no, because no, that's right. No, it's come and then ask, right? I can't even remember my own series. Um, was, when you come, then you start to ask. And then we looked at um, 12 principles of asking or asking if you're from down here, which I found is weird to say, so I ain't saying it. Um, so today, we're going to be along the theme of, of asking. We're going to be um, looking at what kind of things we can ask God for or ask God about when we talk to him, when we pray. Now, for some of you, like, well, I might know some of those. Well, fine, they're good reminders. But, you know, there are some people in this room who are new to having a relationship with Jesus. And they don't really know the full benefits of belonging to God and how it all works. For example, for Christmas, Dave and I bought my mum a year's admission to historic palaces for me and her. (laughs) So we can go together and have some uh, quality time as mum and daughter. But you have to look into that membership because there are things in there. If you don't read about it, you just pull up with your ticket. No one's going to tell you. So when we went to Hampton Court Palace we discovered a member's room where there are nice big sofas and only members have got a membership card can go in and you can have um, cheaper coffee, but you can, even, if you, can, you can eat your own pat lunch there if you don't want to go and uh, buy the stuff in the restaurant. And I, don't, I believe, Susan, you've got a historic palace. Thing. I believe that you didn't, you didn't know about that room, did you? Well, you never used it, which is coming on to my sermon a bit later. Yeah, so if you are a member of something, you can have a card to say that you are and you know you're in, but unless you discover exactly what that membership allows you to do, well, then you're not really using it. So for some people in this room, some of the stuff we're going to be talking about, because I'm I'm never going to get through all of the, the stuff we can ask God for this week, so it's going to be next time I speak as well. You might kind of think, oh, really? Can I ask God about that? The answer will be yes, because it's in the Bible, and I'm going to prove that you can. And for those that you've been a Christian for a long time, you might say, all right, well, I know all this, I'll switch off. But actually, I think sometimes we need reminding that we need to ask God about certain things because we get into autopilot and self-sufficiency and outsort this out, and sometimes we lose that new Christian stuff about asking God about things before we've decided ourselves. Or is that just me? 
we think, oh, we've been living this life for ages. This is how it goes. That's what, that's what he's bound to say, so I'll just do it. Well, actually, you better ask him. Because sometimes he changes his mind about things and you need to go a different route or do things a different way. So hopefully we'll all get something out of it. So we're going to start off with the first thing you can ask God about is wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 if you've got your Bibles. And I'm going to read the scripture. James chapter 1 verse 5. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. And he will gladly tell you, he will not resent you asking. There is a clear invitation that if you need to know something, if you need wisdom, you need to make a decision, you need God's insight on this, then you come and ask God for wisdom. And an assurance that he will gladly tell you. You don't have to prize it out of him, you know? He put his arm behind his back and say, oh, please tell me what to do in this situation. God is desperate to tell you what to do in that situation. And often, we make it more difficult for ourselves because we ask for wisdom from God after we've tried to find it everywhere else. Anybody been there? Yeah, you've gone and found it all, and you've gone and found this, and you've got all these opinions and whatever. So by the time we get so desperate enough to ask God for wisdom in this situation then we're already up against it. We're in a state, we are confused, we're desperate, and we've got conflicting advice from every other source we've been to ask for. So we're now in a right state. And I would suggest that finally when we get to ask God, that is a very difficult place to hear from God because you're already kind of confused with everyone what's telling you, people have got different opinions, that's not really a very good, uh, the most ideal conditions to hear from God clearly. So do yourself a favor, ask God first. Right? Ask God first. And then it goes on to say in verse 6, but when you ask him, so when, he's, he's making the assumption that you're going to ask him, when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer, for a doubtful man is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They can't make up their minds. They waver back and forth in everything they do. So when you ask God for wisdom, expect an answer because he's promised to answer us. And if you are making a habit of having a conversation with God, then you'll find it easier to hear from God. If you only speak to him when you are in need of something, then something, well, you'll find it difficult. He won't find it difficult to speak to you, but you will find it difficult to hear from him because you're not used to having a conversation. So it's easier to have wisdom from God, find wisdom from God, God to speak to you if you're already in the habit of talking to him. But if you're one of those people that only talks to him when you're in trouble, then you'll have more difficulty hearing from God, I would suggest, because you don't know whether that was you thinking that, whether that was coincidence, whether oh, that can't be true, that's far too difficult, so it can't be God. You know, if you have a conversation with God, and the more you have a conversation with God, then the quicker, the clearer, and the easier you hear from him. And if you only ask him when you're in trouble then you will find it more difficult because your mind will already be running like this. Well, 
I'm going to ask you, God, about this, but actually, I don't deserve an answer. You know I've been everywhere else to find an answer. So really, I'm really not worthy of an answer. Already, we're on the back foot. We're on the negative. And so you come, some of you are not in, you've been there, you know, and you kind of grovel back to God. So you've got all of this, you're trying to ask God for something, and you've got all, Satan piling all this guilt on the back of you that you have to fight through that before you're even clear to hearing what he's going to say to you. Yeah? So if you're going to come to him, then ask him. Ask him first, and then when you come to him, expect an answer and expect God to speak to you. And if Satan starts coming in with those one-liners, well, you're not good enough to bother about anyway. Why should God bother about what that stuff you're asking him about? You just need to take the big delete and go through that and tell Satan, push off. I am having a conversation with God. Who asked you? Do you speak to him like that? Sometimes I do. Um, Just get out of it. I'm not having a conversation. I'm having a conversation with God. Clear the air. Sort that out. And... And be prepared to act on the answer God gives you. Never treat God like an opinion poll. Just one more opinion on the problem that you've got. Don't treat him like an opinion poll. His answer, because of who he is and what he knows and how much he loves you and what power he has, is always, always, always going to be correct. I can, I can say that. It's a bold statement to make, but have a think about it. Do you actually believe that? If you ask him something and he tells you something, is there any chance he's going to tell you something that's wrong or harmful for you or detrimental to you or he's playing games with you? God is not like that. He is a good God, so he's always going to be correct. Not necessarily easy, but correct. And not necessarily logical, but correct. And that's what you've got to get your mind on. When you've asked God for something, you believe him for it, he tells you, you've already got to have in your mind, whatever you tell me, God, I know it's going to be correct, so therefore I need to do it. By all means... Check out to see if you've heard correctly, right? Especially if it's wild and wacky. You need to, your life group leader or someone you trust in church or one of the leadership team and, and check out. Now, I believe, I asked God this and God's telling me this. Um, you know, could you pray with me because I want to make sure I'm hearing properly. By all means, check out if you're hearing correctly, but don't doubt the answer or downgrade the answer because it wasn't the answer you were hoping for. There's a huge difference, right? So check it out, but don't downgrade it, don't doubt it. Because otherwise you're in danger of what James is saying here. That, um, you know, you, you go and ask God and, and, and then you, you, don't really, you don't really know. In fact, verse 6 to 8, uh, you know, it says there that, you know, you ask God and you're, on, you're doubtful and you're like a wind, a wave that's tossing about. You're one minute here and then you're one minute there. You know, we can't be like that. We have to um, believe God what he's saying. And it is really important that when God tells you to, uh, gives you the answer, that you put that knowledge into practice. I've spoken to at least three people over the last two or three weeks that have assured me in our conversations when we say, well, 
that's what you should be thinking or that's the fact on that or that's what you should be doing. I've had at least three people who spring automatically to mind, I'm not looking around the room, who said to me, yeah, I know, Judith. I know that's what I should do. And then I say, but are you doing it? Because there's no point knowing what's right unless you put it into practice and do what's right. Or else you just, your head is full of stuff that is correct, but your life is empty of walking correctly. And verse 22 of James chapter 1 says, and remember, it's a message to obey, right? When God speaks to you, it's a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't obey, you're only fooling yourself. For if you just listen and don't obey, it's like looking at your face in the mirror, but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. What we hear from God we have to put it into practice. So, ask God for wisdom, but once he gives it to you, act on it. Do it. Because otherwise, the fool is you and me if we're not doing what God says. So that's the first thing we can ask God for, wisdom. If any of you are in a, in a, a situation at the moment where you need some wisdom, you've got a decision to make, you've got options, you've got things that... Go and ask God first. Ask him for what, he, he should be, what you should be doing in that situation. Ask him to speak to you. And then the second thing we can ask God about is when we are suffering. Oh, I don't need to cover that because none of us suffer. It's all unky-dory. It's all rosy, isn't it? Okay. Well, in James again, in chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Are there any among you who are suffering? Do you know what this next line is? They should keep on praying about it. Oh, oh, I thought, anyone of you suffering, come out and we'll just zap you with the Holy Spirit. It's all, it's all sorted. No, no. James is saying, if any of you are suffering, you should keep on praying about it. One of the principles we looked at about asking God for stuff was number nine. Of course, you all remember what that was. Have a guess? Perseverance, yes. Keep on praying. Do not give up. And the Apostle James is saying to uh, this right, right here and now, when you're asking why you're suffering, you've got to keep on asking until you get an answer. And I think there are, there may be more, but I just want to touch on three reasons why you might be suffering, which you need to talk to God about to determine which ones they are in order for you to ask or talk to him or pray about why you're suffering, okay? Because you could be praying contrary to what is really happening to you. So, the causes of suffering. First one I'd like to ask is, is God disciplining you? Uh, In Deuteronomy 8 verse 5 it says, Know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son... So the Lord your God disciplines you. And in Proverbs 3 verse 12, the Lord disciplines those he loves. We are quite happy for God to be our father when it comes to him giving us good things or providing for us. But we're not so keen when he steps up to teaching us 
the best way to live, altering our habits, challenging our patterns of thinking and behavior, and trying to develop some character in us, are we? That bit of the fatherhood of God, we're like, no thanks, we'll have the, the nice dad side, okay? Stop interfering in my life and trying to make me more like you in this certain area because this is uncomfortable, I don't like it, stop it. Well, I've got news for you. If you signed up to be in God's family, you signed up to him to be your father, his first, uttermost intention is to make you like his son. Ha! Anybody there yet? No. So there's a lot of work to be done. And so he's constantly trying to make you like Jesus so that you are living life to the full. Sometimes his discipline is difficult and hard to take, isn't it? And sometimes we don't like it and we give him a bit of lip. But it will be good for us because remember we've said God is a good God. So Find out if this hard time or suffering or challenge that you're going through has God behind it. If so, ask him what he wants you to learn, to change or develop, and get with the program. Because until you've learned it, changed it, or developed it, you're staying in the school of discipline. Because he's not letting you out early. Just because you're screaming and throwing a tantrum and a fit and a whatever. Well, I'm not coming to church next Sunday, God, then, because you just haven't sorted this, this stress out in my life. Well, no. You need to sort that out because that's what's good for you. If you're going to be more like Jesus and progress in our relationship and, and, and be more effective in the world, then you've got to learn some things. And you've got to, some of those things are learned the hard way. Now, I want to say, and you need to really, clear, really clearly hear this, that there is a massive difference between discipline and punishment. Huge difference. Because of Jesus, we no longer have to pay for our sins by being punished by God. Just let that compute for a moment. Because of Jesus, we no longer have to pay for our own sins and be punished by God for our sins. I've heard lots of people say to me, what have I done to deserve this? Insinuating that God is giving them a hard time because that's God's way of making them pay for wrongdoing that they've done in their life. If you're a Christian, don't ever say that about God. What have I done to deserve this? Why is he punishing me like this? If this were the case, then what on earth was the death of Jesus all about? What on earth was it all about? Because Jesus took, took on himself the punishment of our sin, leaving us clear to ask, receive, and walk in forgiveness. God will not punish you to make you aware of your wrongdoings. Jesus stands in between us and that. God will tell you, and he might steer you in the right direction, but he's never going to punish you for your sin to make you pay for it so that you realize you're in the wrong. Because Jesus, on the cross, that is a no-go area anymore. Read the Old Testament. You'll be glad you're living in the New Testament times, I tell you. You read the Old Testament, you got punished for your own sins. And if you're very unfortunate, you got punished for your parents' sins and the next generation after that. But there was some hardcore discipline and <laughs> you were in trouble. And Jesus coming has meant that all the punishment for our sin was laid on him. No wonder the Father turned the lights off on the whole earth because he couldn't bear to look at it. You're coming up to Easter, 
read that story when God, and even Jesus said, where's God gone? Father, where are you? Because the Father could not bear to look at the whole of our sin laid on his son. But because of Jesus, we don't have to have punishment for what you're doing wrong. So never say, oh, well, God's punishing me. Sorry, that's not New Testament. That's not relationship. Jesus took the punishment. However, there are consequences linked with our wrongdoing, aren't there? We might not get punished for it. But there are consequences for doing wrong, which we bring on ourselves. A celebrity has been caught drink driving in this last week or so. If you get caught drink driving, according to the DVLA website, the consequence of drink driving is up to six months imprisonment, an unlimited fine, a driving ban for at least one year, or three years if you're convicted twice in 10 years. So if you end up with any of those things happening to you, it's a consequence of your actions, not God punishing you. Agreed? That's clear cut, isn't it? Right, that's clear cut. But what about, say you're in financial hardship through poor decisions or gambling or addictions? If you're in financial hardship because of those things, it's not a punishment, it's a consequence. A consequence. Believe me, if God still punished us for our own sin, who would even be here right now? I'll be a lump of ash on the floor. (laughs) A lightning bolt. Smith, you've done it wrong again. (laughs) This is the last time. Fed up with you. But God does not treat us like that. Jesus made it possible for us to be forgiven and he took the punishment on himself. God paid a huge price for us to live under a new law of forgiveness and grace and he will always, always forgive those people who genuinely ask forgiveness. Always. Because Jesus has made that possible. And sometimes, so he always forgives and sometimes he is gracious enough to shield us and help us not to face the full consequences of our mistakes. Yeah? Sometimes he's kind like that and does that. So that's the first thing about if, if you're in trouble, checking out um, why you're in trouble. Sorry, no, uh, suffering. Uh, same thing, really. First thing is, is God disciplining you? Second thing is, are you being pruned for, for greater fruitfulness? John 15:2 says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, cuts a bit off, so that it'd be even more fruitful. Now, I'm no gardener, but I know that I need to prune my raspberry canes if I expect some decent fruit next year. Yeah? Unlike my friend here who pruned the wrong things and didn't get any fruit for one year. But we'll let that go, Eunice. That's fine. (laughs) God wants us to do greater things than Jesus did on the earth. If you don't believe me, read John 14, verse 12 to 14. Greater things than these will you do um, on the earth. Now, if we're going to do greater things than Jesus, that's going to take some pruning, isn't it? Even if we're good at a certain thing, he needs to make it better. And one aspect of pruning is to develop more patience. And there's no, excuse the pun, shortcut for that. 
If you ask God for patience, there's only one way you're going to get it. By be putting in situations where you have to develop it or get cross. So be careful what you pray for. Another way that God prunes us to develop more things is faith. God wants us to develop more faith, so he expects us to look to him when he places bigger and bigger challenges in our lives. We're learning that as a church. You know, we we trust God today, by the end of today, we'll have uh, reached our faith challenge. That's only going to set us up to have faith for next year's faith challenge, which is quite a bit bigger. But that news is coming to a church near you very soon when we get the finance team sorted out and we're going to tell you what that is. Another is faithfulness. God prunes us for faithfulness. You see, Satan one day suggested to God that his faithful servant Job, who would be amazingly blessed by God with family, wealth and health, was only serving God because of the benefits, because of those particular benefits. And he said to God, Ah, he's only serving you because you, you're good to him. Look at all of his, look at his houses, look at his cattle, look, at, look how rich he is, look at his family. And so God gave Satan permission to take all of those things away to test the theory, knowing that Job would come through the test. And God was right. Job remained faithful to God, and so God gave him more than he lost afterwards. And sometimes, like Dave spoke on recently, God has to test with Abraham and Isaac, has to test our motives, our baseline. He has to test us sometimes to prune us, to kind of say, are you really there? Do you have enough faith? Are you going to remain faithful now? And, you know, you're singing all your praise songs on Sunday morning, but when you go to work on Monday and this hits you, how, how much do you still trust me? How much do you still want to praise me? And sometimes those things come in our lives as pruning to develop faithfulness, develop characteristics in us. But it's always with the purpose to trust us with more. God doesn't put things in your life to prune you, to, to, to test you, so that you can, you'll fail. He does those to develop more faith, more of God's characteristics, more of the stuff that God wants us to, to have in our lives. And then the third thing you might be um, suffering as a result of is are you under spiritual attack? We're in a spiritual battle, and sometimes Satan employs tactics designed to throw you off track, to slow you down, to discourage you in order to make you give up on this Christian walk. If this is the source of your suffering, then your conversation and prayer with God will be much different than if he's pruning you, um, because he wants you to be more fruitful, um, or because he's disciplining you for a reason, because he wants to develop more stuff in you. It's really important to know if you are suffering, when you are suffering, what you're suffering for, because you need to work out what you're going to talk to God about, how to overcome that suffering. See, I've known Christians go around blaming Satan for everything that's wrong in their lives. You know what I mean? That the light bulb goes, oh, that's Satan, you know. Or uh, it just things aren't working out. Your car runs out of petrol, that's Satan. No, you Wally, just didn't look at the fuel gauge, you know. They blame Satan for everything, giving him far too much credit, as sometimes it's God's discipline and pruning. You try praying against that. If you pray against God's desire to grow you, all the best with that, pal, because he's already stated that's what he wants you to happen. He wants you to grow. He wants you to be more fruitful. He wants you to be more like him. He wants you to do greater stuff than Jesus did on the earth. And then there are other Christians that don't understand the spiritual battle they're in the moment they accept Jesus as their saviour and make him lord of their lives. So they blame God for all their troubles. 
give me a break. You know, you need to understand if you are a Christian and you are now in God's kingdom, there is an opposing kingdom that we battle against. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And you need to know that. So have a conversation with God if you're suffering and seek out the reason that you are experiencing that suffering and then pray accordingly. Because you need to be able to know why you're suffering and then talk to God about why you're suffering. Because if it's because he wants to develop faith in you, then you need to be saying, right, God, I understand that, so give me more faith. I'm going to read your word so you inspire me with faith. I'm going to talk to people who have been through that. I'm going to find out anyone that's been through this before and who's got a bit of faith that they can rub off onto me or pray with me. Remember we talked about praying with people before? It's important that we know why we're suffering and so that we can ask God about that, that suffering. And as James clearly said, keep on praying about why you're suffering. You don't just kind of like, why am I suffering? Oh, good, got the answer straight away. Sometimes it's a process and a conversation with God. Don't give up. Keep on praying about it. Well, I think I ought to stop. I've only got through two points. And um, there's plenty more where that came from. So... We can pray. Two things we can pray about that the scripture tells us we can pray about. We can pray and ask for wisdom when you need it. You're in a tight spot. You want to know what to do. You need some advice. And we can also pray and ask God when we are suffering because God wants us to talk to him when we are suffering to find out what it's all about. So do keep having a conversation with God, won't you? Keep talking to him. Let nothing come between you and God and having those conversations because if you start getting them together and you start, God starts being more effective in your life, then I guarantee the first thing that Satan will start to move on your life is, is to stop you praying, to stop you having a conversation with God. And I've had to fight this, even starting this series. I've had to fight, hang on a minute, how much am I praying? You've got to stand up and preach it. So you need to, you need to be careful that once you start talking to God, Satan is going to throw everything at you, like, oh, you haven't got time. It's far too busy. It's raining outside. You do really don't want to walk around the park in the reindeer. You know, he's going to the reindeer, do you? That sounded like reindeer, didn't it? No. You don't want to walk around the park in the rain, do you? So God, guard your time and your conversation with God because there's a lot he wants you to ask him and there's an awful lot he wants to give you.